and welcome to Myth Monsters. My name is Erin and I'll be your host for these little snack bite-sized podcasts on folklore and mythical monsters from around the world. These podcasts focus on the actual cryptids, folklore and mythic monsters from global mythology, rather than focusing on the full stories of heroes and their big adventures. I'll also be dropping in some references that they have to recent culture and where you can see these represented in modern day content so that you can learn more and get as obsessed as I am by these absolute legends of the mythological world. It's nearly the end of January, so I hope you enjoyed our double feature last week. I know I did, but we are back to normal listening now, and it's another mythos that I've not really covered. You may have noticed by now that I'm trying to cover at least one monster from every mythology this year, so that it feels like everyone is being heard and represented, So I really hope you're enjoying these not-so-known ones so far. I really am myself. I'm discovering so many more new monsters. So I hope you are too. What is the monster this week? Well, it's the Coco, which is from Portuguese, Spanish and Latin American folklore. Yes, technically we have covered Latin America before, but never the Spanish or Portuguese side. So it's a really nice one to cover. I was also asked to cover this by two of my lovely friends, Anna and Francisco, who are from the Portuguese island of Madeira. So thank you for sending me such a cool monster, and I hope it does it justice. The Coco, or El Coco, is a boogeyman-like creature, which mostly haunts children who are misbehaved and makes them disappear. This monster is usually described more like a spirit than an actual physical being, and it is most likely seen in the shape of a shadow, watching from the rooftops for naughty children. Once it's found a deserving child, it would sneak in and hide in dark places in the children's bedrooms, such as in closets or under the bed, listening and waiting for its moment to strike. Imagine this, you're a kid in Spain and your mother's just put you to bed. She warns you not to get out or Coco will steal you away or eat you without leaving a trace. Once she leaves, you get out of bed and start playing up. This is when the Coco emerges from the dark, with glowing red eyes and snatches you away, never to be seen again, or just gobbles you up on the spot. Now, it's quite tricky because these creatures have no physical description bar that we know they can shapeshift, but it is said that if you are to look upon one, it is the most horrific sight. It is more of a manifestation than an actual monster, really, but I think that makes it all the more terrifying. What we do know is that there are male and female variants of this monster, with the males being called Kukui and the females Kuka. We do also know that they end up presenting with these spooky red eyes as they emerge from the shadows. So how could you end up being haunted with Coco? Well, as I said, it is mostly for children who are misbehaving before bed, and the children in these regions of the world are warned by their parents against being naughty by telling them some nursery rhymes and lullabies before bed. The oldest one of these lullabies is in Spanish, and it goes like this. Duente niño, duente ya, que viene el coco y tem comerá. And in English that translates to, sleep my baby, sleep baby do, the boogeyman's coming and he will eat you. And in Portuguese it's, Vaita coca, vaita coca, para do telado, daixo menino dormir, un sonino descansado. 
This one translates to leave cocker, leave cocker, go to the top of the roof, let the child have a quiet sleep. I am very sorry if I butchered either of those. I do not speak either Spanish or Portuguese and had to get major help with the Portuguese side. But you do have to give me credit for trying. I am quite proud of myself. This would be enough to frighten most children to stay in their bed at the threat of being eaten or taken away to a spirit realm somewhere. So it definitely worked a treat and still does to this day. There are also loads of different variations of these lullabies in different Hispanic languages, indicating the way that this monster and its myth has spread across these communities. Is there a way you can avoid this monster? I mean, yes, you can not be a child. That's about it. It doesn't seem to be interested in adults and almost acts as an enforcing parent themselves, rather than a normal ghost or spirit that we usually see in these types of monsters. I did also speak about different languages and these going into different kind of continents as well. There are loads of regional variants of this monster as well. The biggest one is that in Brazil, the same name and same modus operandi exists, but it's a very different looking monster. This Kuka is described as a female humanoid alligator who instead of eating the children or taking them away for not sleeping, will instead turn naughty children into soup or soap, which I think is quite funny, the interchangeable U and A there. In summary though, definitely an evil monster here, there's nothing neutral about it, however maybe a necessary evil for parents and I'm sure one that's secretly appreciated. In terms of etymology, the word coco is derived from the Portuguese word coco, meaning coconut, which I'll get more into in a minute, this is actually a very cool fact. However, it's also a colloquial word for a person's head in Spanish, literally meaning skull. And you might have noticed though that I've used other names for it, such as Cuca for the Brazilian version and Cucuy for the male version. These are just variants of the name in these regional languages, but all either mean head or coconut. Now the coconut thing is quite funny, because if you look at the top of a whole coconut, you will see a sort of face on the top of it. And when the coconut was discovered back in 1498 by Portuguese sailors, it reminded them of the cocoa with its spooky eyes, which is how the coconut got its name. How wild is that? And actually, if you look at translations for the coconut, it's usually grinning face, which is pretty creepy. As well as this, it's a tradition in Portugal to carve lanterns on All Saints Day and Pau Por Deus, which is November 1st, the day after Halloween. Palpodeus is a ritual begging holiday and children go door to door to ask for bread and cakes with the homeless and they then go give those cakes to those who have passed in the evening so around grave sites and stuff like that very Dia de los Muertos in Mexico if you think of that tradition and for decorations they use pumpkins of course but also coconuts these are all called coco or coca which I also think is very cool but relates back to our monster in that way. So a very, very good etymology this week. I really love it when they're rich in history like that one. It's an absolute star etymology. From all that history though, we have even more. We know that the coconut was discovered in the 1400s and was named after the monster. So we know it's been around for a long time beforehand. And it has. And it all goes back to a medieval dragon, if you can believe it. 
Coca is a female dragon that was mentioned in loads of Iberian medieval celebrations, mostly though in the Feast of Corpus Christi Festival, where she fights with St. George. Yes, the English St. George, but if you've listened to the Gargoyles episode, you'll know it is not this dragon that he slayed. These fights are still put on to this day in Moncal in Portugal, and there are traditional jousting shows, the fight is performed every year, if the dragon wins by scaring the horse, because it's an actual horse, and the dragon is a guy in a big dragon costume, it is said to be a bad year for the crops. But if the saint wins by cutting off the tongue and the ear with an earring off the dragon, there will be a great harvest that year. So it's all fun, looks really funny to go and attend, so if you're around in that kind of area, do check it out. How does this relate to Coco though? Well, from this... The Brazilian alligator-headed Cuca was born, which eventually moved its way back to Portugal and Iberia to become the cocoa we know and love today. The first mention of it within texts, at least, was in 1274 in a book called Livro Tres de Doasois de de Afonso III, where it was talked about with a fish that had been washed up, and this is the extract from it. And if by chance any whale or sperm whale or mermaid or coca or dolphin or masaranha or other large fish that resembles some of these die in the Sesembira or Silves or elsewhere. It was then picked up in Catalonia in 457 AD in Cucafera de Tortosa where it was described as a tortoise with dragon claws and a dragon head and a horned back where the legend said she had to eat three cats and three children every night. So you can kind of see how these separate mentions create this monster that we now have fully established today. Of course now she's regarded as a boogeyman type monster and a spirit at that, which is mostly a western term for things that go bump in the night. And certainly we can link these to the condition of sleep paralysis as well, which I talk more in depth about in the Night Hags episode from the first year of the podcast, if you are interested. As this makes you hallucinate monsters, it could certainly be one of the shadows-based spirits that you could potentially end up seeing during a sleep paralysis episode, and I'm certainly not down for that at all. No thank you. I'm one of those people who won't even stick their foot out of the covers for monsters getting it, let alone anything that will take me away either but we can certainly see how this can be used to frighten children and very much keep them in line and keep them in bed at night and very much on their best behaviour. So I understand why this monster has remained within this folklore for so long. Now, on to modern media. We have not got many on Coco specifically, but we have got loads on Boogeymen, so we're going to cover that in this little section. For art, the best one for Coco is Que Vene El Coco, or Here Comes the Boogeyman from 1799 by Francesco Goya for a proper look at the Coco. It's a fantastic drawing, but do have a look at some independent stuff. I found some really creepy stuff this week whilst looking for this one. In movies, we have The Nightmare Before Christmas, Rise of the Guardians, Boogeyman series, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, Cameron's Closet, Candyman, Darkness Falls, Jeepers Creepers, Little Monsters, The Field Guide to Evil, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark, Don't Look Under the Bed, Halloween, A Nightmare on Elm Street, and Sinister. For TV, we have Frank Elder's Book of Spooks, Legend Quest, Grimm, The Outsider, 
The Outer Limits, Wizards of Waverly Place, The Casa Grandes, Invisible City, and Bumble for specific Coco content there. But you can also see Boogeymen in Doctor Who, Lost Tapes, Samurai Sentai Shinkenga, Tales from the Dark Side, The State, Supernatural, The Twilight Zone, Bump in the Night, Family Guy, The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy, Jimmy Two Shoes, My Pet Monster, The Powerpuff Girls, The Real Ghostbusters, The Simpsons, Wish Fart, Tiny Toon Adventures, and Rugrats. In video games, we have ones such as Bioshock 2, The Sims 4, Adventure Quest Worlds, Boogeyman series, Darklands, The Lurking Horror, Diablo, Five Nights at Freddy's 4, Kingdom Hearts, The Park, Left for Dead, Nightmare Ned, Pokemon, Scratches, The Secret World, and What Remains of Edith Finch. My book recommendation this week is actually on Coco specifically. It's Creepy Creatures and Other Kukuis by Xavier Garza for some fantastic, slightly scary stories on this monster. And actually, loads from others across the world. This is a fantastic book, so please do get on that if you like reading and you do like monsters. I guess you wouldn't be here if you didn't like monsters, but it's worth it if you like reading too. Now it's time for... Do I think they existed? I'm gonna say, I don't know, because boogeymen are pretty weird cases, you know? I couldn't say that your boogeyman doesn't exist, and you can't say that mine doesn't. We all have our own demons, I suppose, as well as that sleep paralysis monster. They're all different. As well as this, it's something that has clearly been passed on from generations of families across the world. It's so hard to deny this monster might exist, with so many accounts and so many stories being passed down through the generations. What I do love on this one is that we have so much history on this monster. We can trace it back to the differing beliefs, different regions, and the different inspirations behind this one, which totally backs up the idea of long-term belief in the region it comes from, which I absolutely adore. What I don't like are boogeyman creatures, especially the idea of something snatching you when you get out of bed. I'm very thankful I'm not a Spanish child right now, I will tell you that, and if you are, I apologise for bringing this monster to your attention. I too used to have vivid visions when I was a kid of the monster under the covers, and it was the witch from Snow White being under my duvet in like a dungeon that used to freak me out enough, so I totally get the fear too. I will say I have grown up slightly more than that. But what do you think? Did El Coco roam the earth? Let me know on Twitter, I would love to know what you think. One interesting monster though. I really enjoyed this one, although as I said, I am not fond of boogeyman monsters myself, as a personal thing, I am vastly afraid of them. But it's so good to look at this mythos and these kind of regions that we haven't really covered before, and one that actually is so prevalent within those cultures. It's so fun to cover, and I really hope I did them justice and that you enjoyed them as well. Next week, we are staying with the Latin American theme, and we're heading over to Peru for the slightly scary Yakamama. Keep your feet out of the rivers for this massive snake next Thursday. But for now, thank you so much for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give it a rating on the service you are listening on. I've got the Twitter for any questions or suggestions on what monsters to cover next, and I'd really love to hear from you. The social media handles for TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram are Myth Monsters Podcast, and the Twitter is Myth Monsters Pod. 
But all of our content can always be found at mythmonsters.co.uk and you can find us on Good Pods, Buy Me A Coffee and Patreon if you want to help me fund the podcast too. Come join the fun though, share this with your pals. They might love me as much as you do. But for now, stay spooky and I'll see you later, folks. <laughs>